It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into to a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and happy Monday to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team that I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. It's Monday. Yes, April 24th. It's Monday. I told you before, I'm adding that to my list of oxymorons. (laughs) Happy Monday? Yes. (laughs) Right up there with military intelligence. (laughs) Airline food. (laughs) Okay. Somebody challenges on that. I know, on military intel. Okay. But it is a great Monday because it is a Brad Beck Monday. Brad Beck is in studio. Always great to be here. Thanks, Kim. Yeah. Good to see producer Steve smiling. Yes. On a Monday morning. Sometimes sometimes I have to tell him jokes to make that happen. (laughs) So uh, check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, our most recent essays. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Another great America's Veterans Stories that we broadcast yesterday with Eric Holman. He was... uh, a uh, veteran of Afghanistan. He's He was an um, Air Force uh, combat controller, which I didn't know. This is the first time I had interviewed a combat controller. Uh, however, the first Medal of Honor recipient, and that is John Chapman, was uh, a combat controller as well. And he is the first Medal of Honor recipient to have received, there, there has to be witnesses to what occurred as they were saving lives. And this was the first one that was ever awarded because the witness was actually, I think it was drones that actually saw what he did to save the lives. And, and uh, so Eric actually got connected with me via John's, and, and, and John Chapman died uh, during doing that. Uh, and I got connected with his sister, which we interviewed, and she connected me with Eric. And so, great interview, and, and we broadcast that Sunday. That will be rebroadcast this Sunday, 10 to 11 p.m., and then the next Saturday, 10 to 11 p.m. I tell you, it gives me inspiration to get to do this America's Veterans Stories show, Brad. You know, it's it's a great honor to do it and to listen to it and to hear what these American heroes did and continue to do out there in the battlefield and even those who are in the supply chain and, mm-hmm. and just all those folks who stepped up. I mean, I'm, I'm just fascinated by their stories. Well, when I went to Normandy in 2016, which is this how this whole thing started, and it was really understanding, looking across the channel. We, we accompanied 40-day veterans there, looked across the channel, and look at you look at the pictures of the landings and then afterwards the just all the ships there and i'm thinking 
how on earth logistics is so important. So the whole thing is so important. But anyway, it's a great honor to get to do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we saw what supply chains can and cannot do when we went through the whole Wuhan experience. And without our truckers and the folks in warehouses and even the folks in the fast food restaurants and the gas stations who were open during that time. I mean, it's amazing. And we need to remember those folks Mm -hmm. as well, because without them, nothing moves. And... (laughs) Brad, I was debating on whether or not to bring this up, but it, it's a it's a segue to that, and that is uh, at, at Battle of the Bulge in World War II. That was December of forty four. Uh, Hitler needed energy; he needed power. Uh, and what was happening is, is the Allies, the Americans, were trying to cut his supply lines off, and uh, so he he made the surprise attack, and they had a, a line, and he made this bulge. Hence, it's called Battle of the Bulge. And uh, the Americans were able to, to hold the line, which is amazing. But <laughs> it was a very effective to, read, to um, prevent him from having the uh, uh, fuel sources to run his army. And I, in a way, I'm wondering if this attack on our fossil fuels is uh, something that it could bring America to a halt as well. Absolutely. Well, we're in a battle of ideas. We're in a battle for the dominance of right ideas. And fossil fuels and those types of uh, abundant, available, affordable energy really make our world move. And without them, there is no human flourishing. And those that want to go to all renewables when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine... Nothing moves. And, uh, you know, I'm all for renewable energy. But if we're really worried about the planet and we just celebrated Earth Day, Mm -hmm. uh, why aren't we more involved in creating clean nuclear energy? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the technology. There's a misnomer that nuclear energy means nuclear war has nothing to do with it. And even the founder of Greenpeace has been a big proponent of nuclear. And we and need that's to more, more right? Yes, <clears throat> exactly. So I think people need to be informed about this, and we need to move forward with innovation and uh, mm-hmm. technology coming together. Wow. Strange timing. Friday night, uh, I'm just kind of bored, so I went back to watch a documentary, which... Uh, Maybe some people might say because it was on Netflix, it's not a documentary. But it was about Three Mile Island in my home state back in 1979. Significant nuclear accident. Two units there. Unit number two was the one that uh, got in trouble. And after several years of consternation, they finally got permission to get unit number one back online. And it went that way up till 2019, where they finally shut it down and decommissioned it. Mm -hmm. The thing is... That plant, unit number one, had permission or licensing to go another 10 years. Problem was, they couldn't run it uh, effectively, cost-effectively. They asked the state if they would uh, subsidize it, but the state said no. And their main selling point was, well, nuclear power has no carbon. And they were trying to push it for the, uh, you know, uh, what's the big push today? The Green New Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but the point is, even a, a Democratic state like Pennsylvania or Democrat state like Pennsylvania Yay. would not buy into this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, what they were selling, 
because there had already been so much money that went down the drain on that facility and the accident and the cleanup, and they weren't willing to spend any more money. But the point that we're making is well made to what Brad just said. Nuclear power is carbon-free. Right. Right. Uh, So that's a great segue over to our bill of the day which is Senate Bill 23292. And need I say more, the bill summary is really long, but it's labor requirements for energy sector construction. And uh, why, why, why one, one sector and, and not another? And uh, so uh, it's long, the summary's long, uh, but um, the sponsors are Senators Chris Hansen, Democrat, and Steve Finberg, Democrat, Representative Monica Duran, Democrat, and Shannon Duran, Democrat. I, I got to get right here on task because we've got something important to talk about and we've got a full show. Uh, Brad will be talking about your essay here in just a moment. But our quote for the day is Benjamin Franklin. And you know him. He was an American polymath. He was a writer, scientist, inventor, statesman, diplomat, printer, publisher. For, it says forger. I, I wonder who put that in. That's Wikipedia. <laughs> and political philosopher. Among the leading intellectuals of his time, uh, Franklin was one of the founding fathers of the U.S. and a drafter and signer of the Declaration of Independence and the first postmaster. He was born in 1706, died in 1790. He said this. He said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. Wow. Yeah, and being a, a person who values their ability to speak freely, whether I'm correct or incorrect, I can speak. Right. That's a, a But what gift. if you hurt my feelings? Well, you know, you have the right to be hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> we all have the right to be heard and be hurt and disagree and debate and discuss and really use our... God-given minds to come up with what we think and believe and have the wisdom to know about. And we do that through the beautiful use of our verbiage, mm-hmm. our words. <clears throat> and if you're if you're stymied in that, you are no different than being in a tyranny around the world that today will not let people speak freely. You run the risk of being thrown into jail or mm-hmm. incarcerated somehow house arrest or what have you. And we are so lucky that we have that enshrined in our documents. Right. And it is under attack. I chose that because you, we're going to be talking about words with your essay. And I thought that was super important. Uh, the show comes to you because of great sponsors. And a sponsor that has been with us for quite some time is um, Hooters Restaurants. And they have been... Um, it's a great story about freedom and free markets and capitalism, how uh, we got to know each other. You can find that story at my website. But they have five locations, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. And uh, they've got great specials for both happy hour and lunch, lunch specials. So be sure and check, out, check that out. And, again, they're great sponsors of the show. Brad, something very interesting happened this weekend. And um, it came to my attention that the long bill, the state budget that is sitting on the governor's desk for signature, is unconstitutional because it's not balanced. It actually has an overage on it. And uh, there was a mistake that was made. uh, And that can happen. And there is a way to remedy that that is, uh, is, is the proper way to do that. Uh, Come to find out that that would mean that the the bill would have to go back to the um, chambers, which means that the Republicans could ask for a reading of it again, which could take some time and could slow down this calendar that the Democrats are pushing through. We have two more weeks 
uh, on this legislative session. And so instead of going doing this the proper way, the proper procedure, the proper process, the Democrats decided to do a workaround, which ended up with this overage. It's $10,000, which in the scheme of things isn't much, but it's, it's unconstitutional. It sets a precedent, 10000 here, then million there. You know, you could see where this could go. This could be a real problem. So uh, the cut board, the Colorado Union of Taxpayers, uh, uh, issued a press release um, that we are considering a lawsuit on this because it is important that we, ha- we follow the Constitution on this. And uh, we did a core request for the complete um, Joint Budget Committee and all leadership of both the House and the Senate uh, to just make sure that we have everything covered. Uh, so this is very important. I don't know what's uh, going to happen exactly after this. I hope the governor does the right thing and that they send it back and they get it done correctly. Well, I, I could probably make a case that uh, 99% of the things they do are unconstitutional. <laughs> well, <laughs> But we have to win, you know, item by item by right. item. And I don't know if you've read uh, this last week. John Caldera had an interesting uh, essay in the Independence Institute uh, newsletter about shrinking down uh, the session to 90 days from its current 120 120 uh, you know that would be a great first step it is a great first step and somebody said oh, I'd be, I will be so relieved when the session is done because they cannot do any more damage well <laughs> what has happened though is they've put in place bureaucracies uh, that, that will be funded by taxpayer money. But also, this this has been something new that we've learned, the gifts, grants, and donations, uh, which really we could have interested parties come in and put money into something that has the force of law. And I don't quite know when that started, but I did start to recognize that in these initiatives as I've been doing the voter's guide. So we're very concerned about it. But uh, you've heard it first here regarding this lawsuit. If you are interested In seeing what our press release was, and you're not on the uh, Colorado Union of Taxpayers um, email list, just go to uh, coloradotaxpayers.org, I think it is, or Colorado Union of Taxpayers, and just put in there your name, your email address. We will send you that press release so you're up to speed on that. That will get you on the list also. And then we would love it if you would uh, pay $25 and become a member as well. I've been a long-time member, and for somebody who's busy, uh, kudos to Cut, because for a long time, Marty Nielsen and her team have done a great job. You've wow. taken it over. And what's wonderful about it is it's a synopsis of what's going on down at the Capitol. Right. So if you're busy, you can take a look at it and go, yeah, that's a wrong thing to right. happen. Right. And we have commentary on each of the bills. I, I Actually, I'm going to be a little behind on uh, posting that email today. But if you'll go there, we also have all of the bills that we have taken a position on and our reasoning on that. And that's about 190 bills. It's uh, very labor-intensive. And as you mentioned, Marty Nielsen and the team have been amazing. It, they've been uh, uh, Colorado Union of Taxpayers. It's, it's all volunteer. They've been doing this since 1976. My hat is off to all of them. A uh, show comes to you because of wonderful sponsors, and one of those is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. Roger knows that life can be challenging. It's the Mangan's team's mission to maximize your financial security as you manage the risks of everyday life. Call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855 for more information. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there. So I switched my insurance to the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. Get this. 
I actually talked to Roger Mangan, who has been helping people with their insurance coverage in our community for 47 years. He helped me create a State Farm personalized price insurance plan for my home and auto and explained affordable options. For personalized service and peace of mind that you are working with a team that cares about you and your family, call Roger Mangan now at 303-795-8855. Kim highly recommends the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. Again, that number is 303-795-8855. It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubbs Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubbs Services is prompt, reliable, and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubb Services for all your heating and cooling needs. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for a weekly email newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do to do it. Uh, we're going to be with um, talking with Mark Oliva here in just a moment. He is uh, with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Before I do that, though, this weekend, this Saturday, is a great event for the USMC Memorial Foundation. And as you know, it's a nonprofit I dearly love. Got to know them with all the work that I've been doing with America's Veterans Stories. But Paula Sarles is the president of the USMC Memorial Foundation, and it is on her heart. Uh, she is a Marine veteran. She's a Gold Star wife to raise the money, and her and her team, to remodel the Marine Memorial. So this Saturday, there will be a special event out at the Memorial at 930 in the morning. And then their uh, spring event uh, down at the Brown Palace Hotel, and it is an evening with the ambassador. And would love to have you join us. I will be emceeing the event, and Mott Morrow from uh, Fox 31 will also be co-hosting. We'd love to have you join us. You can buy your tickets at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. It's going to be a great day, Brad Beck. I, I think you have a great lineup, and uh, what you're doing with that organization is just phenomenal. It's a, it's a it's an honor. Yeah. It's just truly an honor. On the line with me is Mark Oliva. He is the Managing Director of Public Affairs with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And I wanted to talk with him about these uh, bills regarding firearms here in Colorado, which basically what it does is it limits everyday people from being able to protect themselves from bad actors. So, Mark Oliva, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Kim. It's great to talk to you this morning. Oh, absolutely. We have two more weeks in the session, Mark Oliva, and uh, there's a number of bills that I'm concerned about because it uh, it prevents people from being able to have firearms to protect themselves against bad actors is ultimately what I see happening here, Mark. Yeah, some very concerning bills have been uh, moving through the legislature already and are uh, sitting on uh, 
Governor Polis' desk waiting for a signature, but uh, there are still a couple more that we're keeping our eye out on there. And, and I think one of the ones that, uh, that everyone should be aware of is uh, there is a, a piece of legislation that would limit uh, the ability for people to practice marksmanship on their own property. Uh, and we've seen this happen in some other states where as communities grow uh, and people start to move out to more rural areas, uh, that now they're exposed to people who have been living in these areas and have been practicing marksmanship on their own properties. And now we're seeing movements that would limit the ability to do that, which which could be unsafe and, and when you're not allowing people to practice uh, uh, their marksmanship skills and stay stay up to speed with those. Yes, it's absolutely unbelievable. And uh, what you're referring to is, uh, let's see, it is House Bill 231165. It, this would give each county the authority to prohibit people to discharge their firearms on their own land. It's rather, I can't believe it, Mark. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it really is heavy-handed government coming down and, and telling uh, you know, the, the, the counties that they're going to have the ability to write their own gun control laws uh, in their own counties, which is going to make a patchwork of... of laws that are going to vary from county to county in Colorado if this goes through uh, and can make it confusing. But again, it is one of these uh, incremental steps, we think, that uh, would, would make it more difficult for people to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And again, you know, marksmanship and, and, and safe firearm handling is a personal skill. Uh, it's something that should be constantly practiced uh, to make sure that you are ready uh, to handle that firearm safely and, and efficiently uh, when the moment comes that you may have to defend yourself. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, I think in the Constitution it says the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Is that, am I remembering that right, Mark? Yeah, that's still there. Uh, (laughs) uh, We see see, uh, movements like this in in Colorado and in many other states that uh, completely ignore that. So it is is very concerning, and Coloradans should be taking notice. Oh, absolutely. Now, we felt that it was a, a positive thing, and that is that uh, the um, they call them assault weapons, and I'm not sure that's the correct term, but that died in committee, I, I think it was last week, Mark, and, and we were celebrating that some Democrats seem to recognize that we have a Second Amendment and that people have the, the right to bear and, and arms, uh, firearms, to protect themselves and their families against bad actors. And... Um, Inside baseball, somebody said that actually Polis didn't want that on his desk. And uh, so that's why that occurred, because those same people that said that they were standing up for the sake those same Democrats that said that they were standing up for the Second Amendment actually voted in favor of some of these other uh, Second Amendment limiting pieces of legislation, Mark. Yeah, we had heard uh, much of the same, that Governor Polis wasn't uh, a fan of the so-called assault weapons ban bill. And, and let's be clear, assault weapons is a manufactured term. It was uh, generated by Josh Sugarman, who was then of the Violence Policy Center back in 1988, uh, to prey upon people's confusion between uh, a, a modern sporting rifle and the military's machine guns. Uh, and that term is stuck. They are, ter- they are semi-automatic uh, rifles. They're, they operate the same way as most uh, self-defense use handguns. They operate the uh, same way as your, as your favorite duck hunting shotgun. Uh, and, and these are the most popular selling centerfire rifles in America. So there was a big push. We were part of that push to try and educate the, the legislature and the committee about uh, why this was uh, a bad idea for them to go through. We've seen other states have done this. We're obviously involved in a lawsuit 
in Illinois uh, when they passed their ban earlier this year. Uh, we expect that Governor Inslee up in Washington will be signing uh, the bill up there to ban uh, uh, modern sporting rifles and standard capacity magazines in that state. And, and as soon as he does, we expect that we'll be filing a lawsuit against him. So I think Governor Polis uh, probably saw that this was not a wise idea, had been intimating that. Uh, we expect to some of his, uh, his legislators and in, in, in making sure that they understood that this was going to probably put him in a very difficult position as well. We have already seen, like I said, a raft of gun control bills go to his desk. So he has enough to chew on uh, if he wants to take up the issue of gun control. Uh, and uh, apparently the, the there are those that uh, say that um, Polis wants to run for president. And so I think from a political standpoint, uh, he's been trying to, to paint himself as a libertarian. And so he didn't want to have to... Um, to answer the question on that, Brad Beck is in studio with me. Brad, you look like you might want to make a comment on this. <laughs> well, I've seen what's gone through the legislature here so far, Mark, and it reminds me of the you know traditional talk about the frog in the hot water. I mean, little by little by little, they keep passing these incremental bills, and then pretty soon it, things go slowly at first, and then all of a sudden. Right. And I think we're at that point. And they keep pushing back. The work that you do in your organization is uh, key to pushing back on that and appreciate what you do and all the people that work with you. But how can Coloradans continue the conversation on the positive aspect of the amount of people that are saved by firearms, the amount of people that are protected by firearms? Our governor is surrounded by firearms, our jewelry stores, everything that uh, has value except our children somehow are not surrounded by guns. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, and it's it's important for uh, one is that the that the voters become aware and educated of what's being pushed uh, down the pike. You know, many times through special interest groups that are are, are being uh, you know curried favor by these uh, gun control politicians who who don't care about the consequences of these uh, these bills. It plays well with their uh, their special interest bases. Uh, so, you know, be aware of what's being uh, pushed out there, I think, the first thing. The second is, is to get involved and get organized. Uh, we at the NSSF, we are the Fire Ministry Trade Associations. We represent your manufacturers, retailers, ranges, et cetera. Uh, but there are plenty of other groups that work uh, on behalf of the rights of the citizens who own guns. Uh, you know, there's, there's NRA, there's Second Amendment Foundation, there's a few others out there. Uh, that you know, uh, people can do their uh, do their homework and you know, find out the find the group that's going to work best for their interests and support them as well. Uh, we are regularly trying to interact with uh, our our industry to make sure that our industry is is uh, you know aware of what's happening. We are talking to Colorado gun stores uh, so that they know that some of these uh, bills that are coming down are not going to be in the best interest of their business and can put their business in jeopardy. Uh, so it's important that people pay attention to what's happening. And, and then on the last part of that is to reach out, make your voice heard. Uh, it, it really does make a difference when phone calls start flooding in, emails start coming in, letters start coming in, telling those uh, politicians that they will be held accountable for their votes. Uh, and, and the voters at the end of the day have the final say that these are our representatives. They represent us. This is our government, not theirs. Well, and Mark, I want to make a point regarding uh, firearms are the great equalizer between uh, a bad guy and a bad guy or girl and uh, the vulnerable. And, uh, for example, uh, let's say you have a woman who's 120 pounds and a guy that's uh, 
200 and some pounds is coming after her, if she has a firearm, that can be a great equalizer to protect herself. And uh, the fact that we... Uh, and what I remember that I don't know if it's well, it was Broomfield, I think I, now I can't remember if there was legislation, but um, regarding saying that you have to be 21 years old for certain to purchase a certain firearm. Well, what if you're an 18 year old girl and you want to protect yourself? This is mind boggling to me that uh, they would be putting age restrictions on this mark. Yeah, those essentially is what they're doing is an age based gun ban. Uh, by by telling people that they can't exercise their fundamental constitutional rights at the age of 18, when you're fully vested in all your rights, you can vote, you have the freedom of assembly, you have the freedom uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of uh, the press, you have your ability to be protected against illegal search and seizure, but they're going to tell you this one particular right, uh, the Second Amendment, is not uh, within your reach. That's relegating the Second Amendment to a second-class right. That's what Justice Thomas, uh, Justice uh, Alito, Justice uh, Gorsuch, they have all warned us against this uh, prior to taking up the uh, the, uh, Bruin decision. But it is really concerning when they're trying to do this because you're right. You're going to have someone who's fully vested in their rights, going to be unable to uh, purchase the tools that they need to be able to protect themselves. And it is unconstitutional uh, to do that. We we are fighting against these age-based gun bans. Uh, But people need to understand that this is... You know, the idea that we're going to surrender our security in the name of uh, or surrender our rights in the name of security because someone else committed a crime is is kind of an anathema to what we are as an American society. You know, those people who break the law need to be held accountable for their for their crimes and their actions. And those who are abiding within the law should have the full spectrum of their rights to be able to uh, express and exercise those rights as they see fit. Well, and the other thing, Mark, out here in Colorado is uh, crime is just because of public policy is uh, we're becoming a, a crime state. And uh, and to the fact that we would have legislation that would, it would make it more difficult, would disarm, again, law-abiding citizens, because bad guys and girls will be able to get firearms. Uh, and we need to be able to protect ourselves and our families against this terrible policy that's occurring here. And it is be, uh, uh, Colorado's become, uh, becoming a crime capital because of, of public policy. And we need to have the right to protect ourselves against bad actors. Mark Oliver, your final thought. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, these uh, we've seen studies from the FBI that have gone in to interview felons who've committed crimes with firearms. And 90% of those admit to getting those uh, firearms. Uh, through illegal means, the black market, or they've stolen them. So when you start to take away the means for people to exercise their rights legally, and that means being able to approach the gun counter, purchase that firearm with a background check and with the Form 4473 to the ATF, if you deny them that right, then you are essentially telling them that you are making them willing victims to criminals, that they have to sit there and wait to be preyed upon by these people who have no respect for life or law. And that's not okay. Mark Oliver, I so appreciate you uh, giving us an update on what's going on. And uh, we've got two more weeks, so let's stay in touch. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad to have you here this morning. Thanks. Absolutely. And that's Mark Oliver. He's the Managing Director of Public Affairs with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And the show comes to you because I have a lot of great sponsors. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance understands the importance of home ownership. Karen Levine works tirelessly at the local, county, state, and national levels to protect your private property rights. With nearly 30 years' experience as a Colorado realtor, Karen Levine will help you navigate the complicated metro real estate market, whether you're buying your home, selling your home, considering a new build, or exploring investment properties. 
Kim Munson highly recommends Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate needs. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force. Force versus freedom is something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. If you would like to uh, get a copy of the press release that we that uh, the Colorado Union of Taxpayers sent out yesterday, go to, uh, I think it's coloradotaxpayers.org. Put your name and your email address in there, and we'll get you on the list. We'll send you the, the copy of that uh, press release, and we'd love to have you join us uh, at for $25 as well. But that is regarding, uh, we're considering a lawsuit uh, because the budget that has been sit, sent to um, Governor Polis and is sitting on his desk for his signature is unconstitutional because it's not balanced, Brad Beck. You know, you got to have that balanced budget. Otherwise, you end up like the federal government. <laughs> and uh, what, we're now $31 trillion in debt? I mean, that's just mind-boggling. I know. I can't imagine $1 trillion, but $31 trillion and they want to keep going. I know. At some point, sanity has to break in and say, we can't afford this. Right. Just cannot as a nation. Well, we can't. And we're going to have to have a reckoning one way or another. We'll have a reckoning. Oh, yeah. Uh, So tomorrow we will have Wade Miller on with the Center for Renewing America. And they're right there uh, in Washington, D.C. And they're watching what's going on. So I thought we'd get an update on uh, they want to raise the debt limit again. What does that mean exactly? So that'll be tomorrow. Before we get over here to your... Essay that will roll out this weekend. Be sure and sign up for that weekly newsletter. Wanted to mention a nonprofit that I've come to know and dearly love, and that is the Center for American Values. It's located in Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, Pueblo is known as the uh, City of Heroes uh, because uh, there are four Medal of Honor recipients that came from Pueblo, Colorado. If you can believe it, it's amazing. And uh, but the Center for American Values is a non-political organization. It was formed in 2010 for charitable and educational purposes. The center's founders, which is Drew Dix. Uh, and he is a Medal of Honor recipient from actions that he took 
uh, during the Tet Offensive in the Vietnam War, and Brad Padula. Uh, They identified the need for a national initiative to recognize and preserve the values our great country was founded on. And those core values are honor, integrity, and uh, patriotism. And they have uh, Portraits of Valor. It's an extraordinary collection of 160 Congressional Medal of Honor recipients. And there's quotes with each of them. And each time I go down there, I just stand in front of these portraits. And I just, I'm mesmerized. I'll just put it that way. So be sure and check that out. And their website is AmericanValueCenter.org. That's AmericanValueCenter.org. Brad Beck, this piece that we will roll out this weekend, Placeholders of Meaning, Words. Uh, This is really an interesting uh, essay that you've put together here. Well, you know, we both are members of Liberty Toastmasters, and we had a meeting last week. It was great, as always. And we always have the role of the grammarian. And I started to think of... How the grammarian helps us use new words. We have the word of the day that rolled out, and we get brownie points for using it. Mm -hmm. But it also expands your toolbox, your Mm -hmm. your ability to hear and listen and how words affect people. And the more you use it, the more you get accustomed to it, and you get the chance to think about what that word means and how to implement it. And it got me thinking about the words that we use today and the the word salads that are created in the dictionary every year, the new Mm -hmm. words of uh, digital no man or nearly wed. And, you know, I'm like, I never would use those words. They're just bizarre. I mean, they're an amalgamation of different types of words put together because of the way our culture has evolved. And I started to think about those words that have brought us to the table, if you would. And there are some great old words that we don't use enough and words that have meaning that I think we've they've dropped out of fashion. So I started to read uh, a very famous speech, and there were five words that just stuck out at me. Okay. And they were uh, arduous, inviolate, subjugation, comports, and reconciliation. And I looked up each one, and they're in the essay. And when we as a, have a grammarian, we always have uh, a sentence so we can use the word so others can get a sense of how the word is to be implemented. And I looked at the quotes <clears throat> that I found for each one of those words, and it turned out each one of those five words I chose were out of a, a speech, very famous speech, by a guy named Patrick Henry. Oh, yes. Give me liberty or give me death. Give me liberty or give me death speech. And they were spoken in uh, March 23rd, 1775 at St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia. Now, we don't have the actual document, but these were supposed some of the sentiments that he used. And what I found fascinating about it was these words were the catalyst to help Virginia get involved in this war of independence. And we have a war going on now, a culture war. We do. And we're not using words to help us. The the president and other pundits are using all kinds of divisive words today. And I find it revolting that they are trying to divide us with our words, their verbiage. When you're driving down the road in your car and you hear certain words, mm-hmm. my ears attuned to certain things that people say and how they say it. And one of the things I find really interesting is people are being more and more accustomed to the slang of our culture. They're, they're being more in, um, uh, taken to action by words that people say either for or against things. And you can find an argument for uh, good words or ill words, but I think we have to be mindful of our words as we speak and how we present ourselves 
comport is a perfect word. Mm -hmm. How you comport yourself Mm -hmm. and how people react to that. I'm not talking about using fancy language. It could be small words. In fact, uh, Mark Twain talked about that, you know, small words are best. But we have to have an awareness of what our words are saying and how people perceive us and how we perceive ourselves by the language we use. And so these ideas, these placeholders of meaning, really help us to do that. Question, and that is, I feel like you're going one way, and then we hear over here AI that would, I think AI would make us lazy on our words. Uh, because we don't, we, you could have AI say something, people put their name on it, that they are, it's a paper or whatever it is. People won't, won't, won't even know what, what they, they're saying. Well, chat, GBT, and open uh, intelligence, AI is potentially a wonderful thing, just like the Internet in its early days. But the thing is, you can't or should not use AI just to do a term paper, as more and more mm-hmm. students are doing, or using it to do an essay like this. AI should be a a tool in your toolbox, and then you should personalize it and write it in a way that it's a catalyst in a conversation. It shouldn't be that you just replicate it, copy, paste, put it in some document. Mm -hmm. It can help move things along. But if you really want in business, for an example, uh, good copy written, that comes from the the mind. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, artificial intelligence is learned intelligence. It can be uh, a wonderful asset. But it should be personalized. It should be used in a way that gets people to use it in a in a positive way without replicating just what the AI takes from many, many sources and then puts it together. I, you know, the problem I think you're going to have is people are going to recognize it. And even Google, I believe, as a search engine, pushes it down in the algorithm because it can recognize that it's artificial. It's mm-hmm. from many sources. Mm-hmm. It's not from a person's mind. So words really have an impact on people. In fact, David Ogilvy, who wrote the great book on advertising, he mentioned this. And in one of his quotes, he said, uh, uh, Eskenes, uh, would, they would say he was a great orator. But when Demosthenes spoke, they said, let us march against Philip. And that type of verbiage saying that words have action attained to them, that people can move and do something because of words, is a great asset that we have as human beings to convey feelings, meaning, emotion. But they all should be done wisely because it can uh, draw people into the wrong direction. Right. If you ever watched uh, Triumph of Will, um, the great uh, Lanny Riefenstahl documentary on Hitler, and the words that he used to excite uh, the populace at that time, uh, you know, totally wrong, but beautifully photographed, beautifully uh, uh, directed, and yet it was for all the wrong reasons. So we have to be careful of how words are used and how words are portrayed uh, to the public. And a lot of times when it's so easy just to do an expletive because you're frustrated, you have to pull back and say, okay, is this the proper thing to do to get people to activate, to move, to be active? And oftentimes your emotions come up rather than your reason. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a warning as well. Well, it, it really is. And, and that is why what we do at Liberty Toastmasters is so important. I would so encourage people. I know that it's a commitment, but it makes us better. And uh, as I've shared with many people many times, I had... I crashed and burned in front of a thousand people, and I'd lost my confidence. Uh, and 
and and I guess in a way, I almost thought about keeping my words and my thoughts more to myself. <laughs> Obviously, that's not happening now, <laughs> Brad Beck. But it is. I think it's um, one of the things with Liberty Toastmasters is helping helping us get our brains around these ideas and these words, so that we can communicate with others because we are in a battle of ideas, big battle of ideas right now, and words are so important. Well, we encourage people to speak, learn to speak, work things out in their mind, and not come for perfection, because you're never going to be perfect. But what you do is you get comfortable using words. You know, people today will use PowerPoint or some other vehicle to get their message out, mm-hmm. and it keeps people on track, and I understand that. But the this action of standing in front of your peers and speaking and being communicative, connecting mm-hmm. with that audience, touching the heart to get to the head, and then... Finding contrast and connection and your credibility as you're speaking, you find that you're, you're, you're standing on more solid ground by practicing. And it's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym often enough, your body's going to get in shape. If you eat well, your, your body will stay in shape. You know, these are the things that you have to do. Well, public speaking is like that. It's a exercise that you have to practice to get comfortable at. And I don't know if you ever get great at it, but you get better. And if you get better day by day and beat yourself is really who you're competing against as opposed to other people who get up to speaking. But there's a lot of people that have great speaking skills, and they're an inspiration. Mm-hmm. And whether you're a mom at home listening to this right now or uh, a business person, we all have the opportunity to go to our local city council meeting or to our PTA meetings. And by practicing public speaking, you can get over that fear and give your two- or three-minute presentation of your experience and why legislation has an impact on your life and mm-hmm. your family. And if people do that more often, boy, what a wonderful state we would have again right. if people showed up and were comfortable in speaking and not had the fear of standing in front of somebody they elected who people often hold in higher esteem. But, hey, they put their pants on just like we do. And they make some decisions that really affect our lives. And they're supposed to be our representatives. Uh, Speaking of words, I really recommend that we no longer call them elected officials. They are elected representatives. They are representatives of the people. I'm talking with Brad Beck, and we're talking about words in this uh, great essay that we'll roll out this weekend, Placeholders of Meaning. And uh, the show comes to you. We are independent because of great sponsors and Roots Medical. I love having them. Hey folks, Matthew Dark here with exciting news about COVID justice and how you can be involved in this critical moment in history. Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom in conjunction with COVIDPenalty.com is leading the way in protecting everyone's legal right to refuse an investigational new drug. There is no law that can force you to participate in medical research and we need your help in bringing these lawsuits to fruition. To donate and view impending lawsuits, visit ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. That's ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. The rapid rise in interest rates is causing challenges and creating opportunities. For nearly 20 years, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lorne Levy, has helped individuals realize their hopes and dreams of home ownership, fund kids' educations through second mortgages, and access capital by utilizing reverse mortgages. Lorne is not constrained to work with just one lender. Because he works with many different lenders, Lorne offers choices for your individual mortgage needs. Knowledge is power, and preparation leads to success. 
call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881 so that you're prepared for opportunity in the mortgage market. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. These uncertain times make it imperative that you can protect yourself, your family, and your property. Franktown Firearms is the family-friendly place to go for firearms training when you are less than sure of what to buy or how to train. You can find a straight range to shoot at anywhere, but maybe you want a more realistic training experience involving walking, ducking, drawing, and shooting in more lifelike scenarios. Franktown Firearms instructors work with you to ensure that you are safe and protected, so you'll handle anything that comes your way. Come join Franktown Firearms for Tactical Fun Night, where you can shoot, learn and grow in a fun, safe environment, and meet people who you can learn from. Going to the range is great, but coming to Franktown Firearms is the next level in your home defense training. To learn more, visit klzradio.com slash franktown and schedule your family's training today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And I did want to mention uh, Jansen Photography. They're located in uh, Lakewood, Colorado. And as we're talking about uh, words and presentation, it's really important to have good portraits, good headshots as well. And if you're in business, everybody is, or um, running in politics, you need to have that great uh, portrait. And you can get that by reaching out to Jansen. That's J-A-N-S-S-E-N photography.com. Brad Beck is in studio. And guess who snuck in? Miss Susan Kochevar. And uh, it's great to have you. You'll be here for the second hour. And Brad, you're going to be able to stay as well. And we're going to be talking about a really important issue, and that is the Restrict Act which is um, in uh, Congress, working its way through Congress Congress right now. And it's the Patriot Act on steroids, I think, Susan Kochevar. I agree. So we'll talk about that in the second hour. Uh, Brad Beck, words. And uh, one of the things that you had uh, here, and you mentioned this in the last segment, is about how words can say, oh, uh, interesting speech or interesting good delivery or action, and we need to have action. And I thought that was super interesting. Well, everything in, in our Toastmaster clubs and throughout uh, our life is always evaluated. We just do it verbally in Toastmasters. And you get some corrective criticism. I think people are afraid of giving good, positive feedback today. It's always something negative as opposed to, hey, I really like that. Do that more. Mm-hmm. And this is how it connected with me. And I love the phraseology that you were using and how you were using your vocal variety and your impact. And I think that makes a difference. You can say something, a word, and if you say it in the right way, it has positive meaning. Right. But if you say something, the same word in a, a, a different expression, right. it comes across totally different. So we learn that as well. But I think people have to get attuned to words. I remember, and I'm not going to say them, uh, I love George Carlin. He was a wordsmith. <laughs> and he had the seven words you can't say on you know, public radio. 
But the beautiful thing about that, even though those were filthy words, it got me thinking about how people use terminology, how they use their verbiage. And one of the things that I find fascinating is that we've lost that ability to listen to words. We're on our devices. There's lots of words there. There's Mm -hmm. lots of images. But are we thinking of how to use those and how they have impact with people and how you give a message to somebody? You can talk to a child in a positive way and say something that's corrective Mm -hmm. and rather than yelling and screaming and and being threatening. Mm -hmm. So the same thing at work. We have all kinds of issues, interpersonal issues at work with people and HR. And boy, if you if you couch it in the right way, you're able to overcome some of these difficulties that you have dealing with people to people because we all have different ideas on how things should right. be done but if you've done it in a if you've done it if you do it <laughs> <laughs> if you do it in a way that is positive and uplifting and that's what i think our pundits and our, our political people are not doing they're not aspirational anymore they don't give you hope there, there's one candidate who today i can say i listen to him over and over again and i'm just fascinated with him and that's uh, vivek ramaswani He's an amazing speaker, and he connects with people, and he uses verbiage that I find fascinating. And I don't hear that aspirational aspect in a lot of candidates. And so I wonder, how can you connect more with people? And you do it in, in, in your verbiage, in mm-hmm. your words. And so I think we have to get better at it. We have to practice it. We have to be have the ability. I love looking at a dictionary. And looking at a thesaurus, and I can't even say that word. Mm-hmm. My wife taught me how to put my tongue at the top of my <laughs> roof of my mouth so I can do my THs. But looking at uh, those types of books, they give you the ability to say, where did that come from? Is it from the Latin or the Greek? Is it Old English? How did people use it back then? And then if you look at our documents that we were founded in this country, did certain words mean what they mean today? And absolutely not. They've morphed. They've changed. They've been interpreted to be different. Uh, when the courts talk about Chevron difference, and it's the interpretation of somebody saying over time, but it doesn't go back to the original meaning of a word or a phrase. And I think we have to go investigate what those earlier words meant and dust them off and use them more often. Well, and you, you mentioned something, dictionary. Susan Kochevar, I our friend Helen Raleigh has said that we need to have freedom libraries. But one of the things we need to have in that library is some of these old dictionaries. Uh, because we are seeing that words are being co-opted. So do you have uh, any any old dictionaries? I do, yes. Uh, I remember long fan, long-time fan of Glenn Beck, and he started telling people to say their dictionaries. And you can tell that the, the words definitions have been changed, especially over time. And, you know, we don't teach our young people Latin anymore, so they don't know the roots and suffixes. And it really actually hurts your spelling and understanding. You can read more quickly when you understand that. Uh, we don't teach our young people that anymore. Instead, mm-hmm. we're, they're being taught uh, to be divided by by uh, groups and all this focus on feelings, feelings, radical activist transgenderism. We need to, I think, talk about the foundation of words, Brad Beck. How do you want to button this up? Well, when I grew up, it was sir and ma'am, and now it's pronoun. I don't use mm-hmm. pronouns. Some of the words I would use for pronouns, I can't say on the radio. <laughs> but we have to get back to, to going back to the language and why we have language, to communicate, mm-hmm. to get people to understand what we have in our minds, the source of all wealth. And if we do that through words, those placeholders of meaning, and we understand them and use them in a way that are going to be aspirational people, hopeful to people, we can move hearts and minds mm-hmm. and we can win these culture wars. Mm-hmm. But if we use slang and we use all the verbiage that is lazy, I think we lose. 
So we have to be smarter in how we use it, just like a grammarian. Use your words wisely. I'm thinking I, I don't need to add anything else onto this out, outline that we do every but I should add a word of the day. Yeah. Words of the day just help people. I'll be going, thumbing through the dictionary and coming up with things. So, so Brad Beck, thank you. First of all, uh, great to have you here, and you're going to stay stay here for the second well, hour. Susan, Susan will let me. Susan Kochevar <laughs> is in studio as well, and so be sure and stay tuned. Our quote for the end of the show is Benjamin Franklin. He said this. He said, he who would trade liberty for some temporary security deserves neither liberty nor security. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to hour number two of the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Monday, producer Steve. Well, you know, I not really a big fan of Mondays, but when you have both Brad Beck and Susan Kochabar live in the studio on a Monday, it certainly makes it much more tolerable. It uh, certainly does, and that is true. Susan Kochavar, great sponsor of the show. She's an entrepreneur and owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater, and the theater is open. We are open now for business, yes. And... Uh, Good movies out there? What? Yes, Super Mario Brothers, the one that's smash hit, and then an interesting second feature, Creed 3. Creed 3, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. And Brad Beck, you are able to stay in studio. Uh, you are a co founder of Liberty Toastmasters. Liberty Toastmasters is a great sponsor of the show. And in fact, this Thursday is Liberty Toastmasters Day on the show. I can't wait to hear about all my uh, folks who are going to be calling in and answering your questions. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be talking about rule of law. It's going to be super interesting. It's interesting because a lot of folks, I actually was the table topics master in Liberty North this weekend, and I asked one of the questions was, what's the difference between a law and a regulation? And some interesting dialogue around that. Aha. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll have to ask that. Yeah, very good. <laughs> but great to have you here. And again, your essay, we talked about this. It's uh, words, placeholders of meaning. So very, very important there. Uh, our quote for the the day is from Benjamin Franklin, who's an American polymath, active as a writer, scientist, inventor, statesman, diplomat, printer, publisher, and political philosopher. 
He was among one of the leading intellectuals at the time. He was also uh, one of the founding fathers, a drafter and signer of the Declaration of Independence. And he famously said, because as they were signing the Declaration of Independence, you know, the, the, the narrative that has been pushed out there is this is just a bunch of old white guys that mm-hmm. were uh, uh, concerned about their their money and their estates and and um, the, and uh, nothing could be further from the truth because Franklin, as they were signing this, they could hear the cannons of the British just down the river, and they realized that as they were signing that, that was a death sentence, uh, but they did it anyway, Susan. And a good number of them were quite young. They were very young. Madison was young, and even Jefferson and um, Hamilton. They were quite young guys, actually. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I've heard the story of uh, when Jefferson wrote the Declaration, and he had the words that we hold these truths to be sacred. And Benjamin Franklin looked at that, and he said, no, self-evident. And it's interesting because if it was self-evident, wouldn't they have found, or people before that time have recognized things that were different, that should be different in the way we govern ourselves. So I always thought that was an interesting uh, change of verbiage. And if it wasn't sacred that we had these mm-hmm. rights, that they were endowed by us, by our creator, they were self-evident. Why didn't people many, many years before recognize those ideas? Mm-hmm. I know. And word, you talk about words. And in the first hour, you talked about copy. And Doing this show, I write all the copy for the newsletter. I write all the copy for my spots. And so I wordsmith all day long. And sometimes I can get hung up on a word. And um, That's where chat comes in. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but with that, his quote was this. He said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. And I think that is just so important. Uh, wanted to just mention this. Susan Kochevar, I know you were driving in, but I mentioned that the Colorado, Colorado Union of Taxpayers issued a press release that they are considering. We are considering uh, a lawsuit because the budget that is on the governor's desk right now waiting for his signature is unconstitutional because it's not a balanced budget. Now, right now, it's it's not that much money. It's $10,000. But we have a a balanced budget amendment. It can be fixed. The correct way to do that is to send the bill back to the the two chambers, which is going to take some time, which would slow down the Democrats' agenda over the next two weeks. And so they didn't want to do that. So they did a, a workaround that they thought nobody would notice. And the workaround resulted in a budget that's not balanced, which is unconstitutional. And we think that uh, that's a problem, Susan. I do. I think that's the camel's nose under the tent. And let me ask you this. Can you uh, live your life without balancing your budget? No. That's why that constitutional amendment was put in there. You know, I'd love to just say, oh, you know, I'm just $10,000 short this year. No big deal. I'm not going to pay whatever, or I'll just siphon this money off for something else, or or not put it on my taxes. Is any of that stuff going to work? No. 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 So uh, stay tuned. It'll be interesting, Brad Beck, to see what happens with this. It's amazing how people who don't produce anything can do that, mm-hmm. that they have these vehicles and they act like there's levers or buttons that they can push to change things. And it's like, no, all of us have households. We have uh, bills that we have to pay. We put a budget together. 
and we live within that budget. And our Congress critters, our representatives, our folks who work for us don't do the same thing. They do it in their personal lives, hopefully, but they don't do it for public policy. And so we as citizens need to push back and say, hey, live within mm-hmm. your means. There's mm-hmm. only so much money. You can't print that money. They try to do it at the federal level. But then we get what we have today, which is inflation. Which is, yeah, yeah. high inflation. And uh, so stay tuned on that. But if you want to see the press release, go to coloradotaxpayer.org and just request uh, the press release. We will send that over to you so that you've got it. But then sign up for our list. Just to ask to be added to the email list so that you can be up to speed on everything that we're doing over at Colorado Taxpayer. Uh, the show comes to you because of very important sp- uh, sponsors. And one of those great sponsors is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And I'm talking with Roger Mangan. He has a State Farm Insurance Agency that strives for excellence. And uh, so pleased to have you as one of the partners of our show as well, Roger. It's a pleasure to be here and be part of your team, Kim. And uh, and uh, you, you strive for excellence. We do that as well here. Uh, but I wanted to talk with you about something that I think is really important, and that is home system protection. That's a relatively new coverage for State Farm, about four or five years old now. It's part of a homeowner's policy. If you endorse it, and that is an endorsement that, for example, if your furnace suffers a mechanical breakdown and the covered cost of repair is $3,871, your home systems protection endorsement would be responsible for the loss except for the 500 deductible. So in that case, we would pay $3,371 to repair that furnace. And sometimes furnaces are so old, they have to be replaced. So we would actually replace the furnace if it were out of date and we couldn't get parts. So it's a great coverage to have. It covers furnaces, boilers, heat pumps, central air conditioning, um, water pumps, well, from the well, if you have a well. Uh, It's a very good coverage, and it's something that is, we've had this available for four to five years and have paid some claims. And you know your homeowner's policy, by the way, today doesn't have a flat deductible in most cases. It's a percentage. So if you have a $500,000 policy, you're going to have a at 1%, you're going to have a $5,000 deductible. At half a percent, 2500 This is a 500 deductible. So if the furnace breaks down or the water, hot water heater goes out, the air conditioner goes out, we would actually file the claim, send someone out to appraise the damage, and either choose to repair it or to replace it. Well, and that is really important because these these are important components in people's homes, and they are expensive. And you said this is a relatively new coverage. Is it super expensive? No, not really. This is uh, $52 a month to excuse me, $52 a year to buy this coverage. And uh, it's attached to your homeowners, but it has to be attached at the time of renewal. You cannot add it six months into the 12-month renewal cycle. Okay, and so if people want more information about that, what is the best way for them to reach you? Call my office at 303-795-8855. You can ask for Amanda, Michelle, or Stacy. 
they'd be glad to help you. And Debbie will be coming back pretty shortly. It is an amazing team that you have there. And again, that number is 303-795-8855. Roger Mangan, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you very much. And like a good neighbor, the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team is there. So I switched my insurance to the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. Get this. I actually talked to Roger Mangan, who has been helping people with their insurance coverage in our community for 47 years. He helped me create a State Farm personalized price insurance plan for my home and auto and explained affordable options. For personalized service and peace of mind that you are working with a team that cares about you and your family, call Roger Mangan now at 303-795-8855. Kim highly recommends the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. Again, that number is 303-795-8855. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance understands the importance of home ownership. Karen Levine works tirelessly at the local, county, state, and national levels to protect your private property rights. With nearly 30 years' experience as a Colorado realtor, Karen Levine will help you navigate the complicated metro real estate market, whether you're buying your home, selling your home, considering a new build, or exploring investment properties. Kim Munson highly recommends Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate needs. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, in studio with me is two of my sponsors. First is Susan Kochevar. She is an entrepreneur and owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater. It is so great to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. And Brad Beck, uh, co-founder of Liberty Toastmasters, which is another great partner of the show. And... uh, Great first hour with you. It's great to have you here. Well, good day, Kim, and thanks for being here. And good to see Susan. Yes. And I am so pleased to have on the line with me Elizabeth Nolan Brown. She is a senior editor at Reason and the main author of Reason's morning newsletter, The Reason Roundup. She's also co-founder of the libertarian feminist group Feminists for Liberty and a professional affiliate of the journalism program at the University of Cincinnati. Elizabeth Nolan Brown, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I wanted to talk with you about the Restrict Act, also known as the TikTok Act, and uh, both Susan and Brad will jump in here. But I have to ask you about Feminists for Liberty. Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, we, we are a libertarian feminist group. We're dedicated to promoting libertarian feminist uh, values and voices. There's a lot of people that think that feminism and libertarianism are incompatible, but we think true feminism and true classical liberalism or libertarianism are, are very much compatible with each other, and so we aim to promote that. Well, in the uh, the feminist movement of the 70s, uh, as I'm looking back, Elizabeth, I don't see that it was really about empowering women. I, I see a lot of negatives from that particular radical activist femi- feminist movement, and you're, you're not that, right? I mean, I think the 
throughout time, there's there's always been classical liberal feminists that were just pushing for equal rights for women, equal opportunities for women and men. And then there's been, you know, the kind of feminists pushing for special privileges for women or, you know, women to be this protected class. So I think there's always been this struggle between the two, and we're, we're definitely the ones pushing for, you know, individual rights between women under the law so that they have the same rights as men, and that's, that's it. Well, and I, I, I've actually have figured this out. If you end up having special rights, uh, and no matter whatever that descriptor is, women, gay, whatever that is, if you have special rights, then it's not equal rights, Elizabeth Nolan Brown. Yeah, definitely. And oftentimes special rights end up being used against women. You know, they'll think it's for women's benefit, but then people will say, okay, well, now you get these special labor laws, which means you can't work these certain jobs. So I think when you try to push for special rights for women, it actually often backfires against them as well as against men. Uh, Very good point. So, Elizabeth, let's jump over here to the conversation we want to have, and that is regarding the Restrict Act. It's also known as the TikTok bill. And... I'm very concerned about this. I remember when the with the Patriot Act, uh, as I was learning about that, I'm thinking, oh, boy, I don't know if that's such a good idea. But they're saying, oh, it's for your safety. It's like, okay, well, it was off to the races then on taking away our freedoms. And so this Restrict Act, uh, the um, this piece, the Restrict Act from Reason, would restrict a lot more than TikTok. Explain this, please, Elizabeth. Yeah, so the bill would actually, it gives the, the Secretary of Commerce rather broad powers to, um, it says, identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate any risk that he, the, anything that they deem a risk to um, information and communications technology, the digital economy, or the democratic process in the United States. So that's, those are, you know, a very large and, and sort of vague category. Um, and any any entity that any country that was deemed a foreign adversary, any entity that was deemed to have any association to that foreign adversary, could fall under the this group that the Secretary of Commerce could you know restrict and mitigate and all of these things. Um, you know the problem, the, the, the trouble, the worry here is that this wouldn't just mean oh you know a, 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 a thing run by the Chinese state by the Chinese state. It could mean just anything you know made in China because they that's what they're saying right now that anything made in China you know well because they have so much influence over their their companies, then therefore any company based in China was slaughtered. Any company based in any country that they decided was an adversary could could fall under this act. So it would give the Commerce Secretary broad power to just ban um, any apps and any any other thing, technologies too that came from these countries, which could be really disruptive to you know the free speech rights of Americans in many ways, and also could really backfire and, and have a lot of countries around the world simply saying, okay, well, fine, we're going to ban you know U.S. tech companies, and so I just think there's a lot of yeah, really like you mentioned, like the Patriot Act, this is being sold as like oh, this will protect national security, but it really has huge reverberating consequences that, that people aren't really thinking about. Susan, did you have a question? Yeah, I think my, my I need some tape to keep my head together. <laughs> it's going to explode. Uh, first of all, I, I, it sounds like in the verbiage is something about democratic process. We're a republic. We are not a democracy, and that is a very, very important distinction. Democracies always go towards authoritarianism. They always tear down all the individual rights. And the other thing is we do not need to give any more of these secretaries any more power. Uh, you know, it might be okay with your guy, which is always the argument, but then the next administration gets in, and it's not okay with that guy. We have these problems with uh, Mayorkas, for example, and Blinken and some of the others. What a mess. Your thoughts, Elizabeth? 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I totally agree. I think a lot of times people pass things when, when their guys are in power because they think like, well, you know, sure, it might be a little vague or whatever, but, you know, we'll only, we'll only use it the good way because we're the good guys. And even if you think that, and I, I you know, I, I kind of have doubts about either side. <laughs> I agree. Power, they have their own incentives. But, you know, even if you think for some reason that your guys are only going to use it correctly, you always have to remember that these aren't going to just last through, through your political administration. That person's not going to be in power forever. And, you know, people are going to use this in all sorts of ways that you, can, you can't even imagine at, at the moment that you're passing it. So, Brad Beck. Well, one of the things I'm thinking of as you're speaking here is that, uh, Elizabeth, a lot of times these folks think they have a right to expand government. And in actuality, they have powers and they don't have the right and so my curiosity is, is this going to be more legislative or regulatory? And if it's going to be regulatory, how do we have influence to push back on it? Yeah, I mean, the, it, right now this is a bill before Congress, so I guess, you know, it's legislative right now. But I think one of the, one of the dangers is that it would just grant these broad powers to the, to the Commerce Department. And which is, you know, we've seen time and again, often Congress passes something and says, oh, we're just going to, you know, give this little little power to this, you know, federal agency, and it just means this one thing. Like, right now, they're kind of saying, like, oh, they could ban TikTok, which, you know, some people are very supportive of, some people are like, okay. But it would actually give them very broad discretionary power. So, so exactly, I mean, we don't know how the, the regulatory agency would then decide to use these powers, how they would interpret oh my this gosh. mandate. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, as you're speaking, I'm just, oh, my gosh. I. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can do this no, to any app. That was awesome. Yeah. So the answer, I, I'm very uncomfortable with bans uh, on anything, even though, uh, I mean, there, there's things that are just terrible that it's like we, I, I don't want to partake in that. But once we go start down the road of bans, where does it stop, Elizabeth? That's what I'm so concerned about. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's words with this act that, for instance, the Act, you know, if it, if it, was declared that, you know, TikTok was, was the tool of a foreign adversary, so TikTok was banned in the United States, um, you know, Americans might still try to use virtual private networks, VPNs, to access that, to access TikTok. Um, and then they could fall under the purview of the law. They could be subject to these, you know, uh, 20 years in jail and, and massive fines under, under the, you know, the way that the law is so vaguely written, even just using a VPN to access an app or a website or anything from a, from a country declared a foreign adversary could get you arrested. Now, the sponsor of the action, that won't happen, that won't happen. But again, I don't, I don't really trust that because we see the Patriot Act, we've seen so many of these things where, you know, they're, they're said, oh, it's only going to do this narrow thing. But then once they get interpreted by the federal agencies, by the law enforcement, it becomes much broader than maybe, maybe even the sponsor of the act originally intended. Well, and that brings up, this is, has bipartisan support. So who's the main uh, players in, in uh, sponsoring this? Uh, the Restrict Act is, is Senator Warner, uh, Mark Warner from Virginia. Uh, yeah, double guess, making sure that that was correct. Um, he's, the one spo- he's the main sponsor of that, and he's a Democrat. Uh, but it has bipartisan co-sponsors. And then, you know, this is the, the push to ban TikTok is a really bipartisan affair. There's another bill that's, that's narrower in the Senate introduced by Republican Senator Josh Hawley, and it would just specifically ban TikTok. Um, so th- th- it's really this bipartisan push, which is always worried, too, because when, when you get uh, Democrats and Republicans together in, in censorship uh, goals, then it, it often 
That's a that is that is a real problem, and uh, what we need to do is, I think, again, if if uh, media was doing what they are supposed to be doing, and just shedding light on what the risks are with TikTok, people then can have the freedom to make their own choice on that. Um, but once you start down this road of censorship, the question, Elizabeth, is. Where will it end? And I don't think it will end well. Yeah, I don't think it will end with TikTok at all, even if you think that that, you know, is, is bad. And I, I totally agree with you, you know, that it's, TikTok's not perfect. The company has not been perfect in their data privacy practices, although neither have a lot of U.S. companies when it comes to data privacy. But we should, we should talk about that. We should educate consumers, educate users. Um, and then, like you said, let them make their own decisions. If people still say, I don't, I don't care if my data is, you know, totally protected or, you know, I'm not worried about the effects of TikTok, like, then, then let people use it. I don't think that we need the government deciding for you what you, what you can and cannot see. I totally agree with you. We are talking with Elizabeth Nolan Brown, and she is a senior editor at Reason. And we're talking about this Restrict Act, uh, also known as the TikTok Bill. And uh, I want to find out from her where that is in process in, in Congress. In studio with me is Brad Beck and Susan Kochevar. The show comes to you because of great sponsors, and a new sponsor is Johnny Stubbs Services. They're an expert in uh, heating and air conditioning, and you can find them at johnnystubbsservices.com, or you can find them on my website. The first 50 uh, Kim Munson show listeners that reach out to them for either an air conditioner check or uh, other other needs regarding HVAC uh, will get this really cool gift bag. And again, so uh, pleased to welcome them as a new sponsor. It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubbs Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubbs Services is prompt, reliable, and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubb Services for all your heating and cooling needs. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure to check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, before we get back into our conversation, wanted to mention a very special thing is happening this Saturday, April 29th. The USMC Memorial Foundation has their 
big spring event. And uh, in the morning, there will be uh, um, a great event out at the memorial at 930. And then, of course, their event at the Brown Palace that evening, an evening with the ambassador. And uh, I'm the MC for the event, as well as Matt Morrow from uh, Fox 31 will be a co-host on that. Uh, you can buy tickets. I'd love to have you join us. Go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That is USMCMemorialFoundation.org. So pleased to have on the line with me Elizabeth Nolan Brown. She's a senior editor at Reason and the main author of Reason's morning newsletter, The Reason Roundup. She's also co-founder of the libertarian feminist group Feminists for Liberty and a professional affiliate of the journalism program at the University of Cincinnati. We're talking about the Restrict Act, also known as the TikTok Act. Uh, Elizabeth, where are, where is Congress in the process on this right now? So so far, it's only been introduced, and it hasn't it hasn't advanced forward at all. That's, that's at least some good news. That is very good news. Uh, is there anything? But it has attracted a lot of co-sponsors. It's got about twenty-five co-sponsors right now, including both Democrats and Republicans. Okay. How can people find out who those co-sponsors are if they wanted to contact them? Uh, so, if you look on Congress.gov, the the bill is just called the Restrict All Capitals Act, or Senate Bill Six Eighty Six. So if you just Google, you know, the Restrict Act, actually, it'll come up with Congress.gov. And there's, there's a little tab there under this that tells you all of the co-sponsors and lists them all. Okay. Uh, great. So people have a little bit of homework to do on that. Susan Kochevar, I know you had a question for Elizabeth. Well, just kind of a comment, too, because she's discussing how this sets up more regulations. And Brad was saying earlier his table topic for Liberty Toastmasters was what's the difference between regulation and the law. Well, regulations are not law. That is legislatures abdicating their duty and giving it off to a body that goes haywire and there's no no control or representation from the people. And that's the most alarming thing when these big things get set up. And Elizabeth, to that to that point, uh, I mean, we've seen this with all of these alphabet agencies where Congress has abdicated their responsibility, I think because they don't want to have to go to the constituents and answer for some of the the decisions that they made. And we've gotten ourselves into this out-of-controlled bureaucratic administrative state over there that has the force of law but is not accountable or, to the people or elected by the people. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I mean, I think, like you said, they've been – Congress really likes to sort of – Push, push the buck to, uh, you know, to these federal agencies so they don't have to take any blame in case things do go wrong. But they can also say, like, well, we did address the issue. So, you know, they can say we did something and take credit for that. But then if anything, if it turns out to be unpopular, then they can, you know, sort of push push the blame somewhere else. Um, and, you know, we also see the, the federal, uh, the executives doing this. You know, we see uh, now Joe Biden, but, but Trump was pretty bad at it, too. We see per- all, all of the recent presidents have been really bad about you know, making these executive orders directing federal agencies to do this or to do that, and really sort of by by step the legislative process and, and sort of try to try to get around it and just sort of micromanage of the economy and communications and, and all these different aspects of, of U.S. life through, through executive order. Well, and Brad, you had a comment that you in question. As yeah, well. Elizabeth, you know, uh, the, the purpose of government is to protect our individual rights. And then they always couch these types of protective acts as national security. So I'm curious what your thoughts on that are, because as you go through and look at things like the Patriot Act, every time I go through the airport, I'm reminded that uh, they're not protecting my rights. They're violating them. 
Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, I, I think it's going to say going back to, you know, 9-11, but maybe going back much further, national security is often just, you know, presented as this Trump card where, well, if you say national security, then, then nobody can question it. You know, we've got to do whatever sort of authoritarian thing that, that you know, people are pushing for. And I think that that's, that's sort of what, what is happening here. Um, you know, especially with regard to TikTok, people keep saying it's a national security threat, it's a national security threat. And then when you press them uh, on the how and why, it's like, well, you know, it could be used like this, it could be used like this, the Chinese government could do this, and despite there being no evidence that that is actually happening. And so I think, you know, if you're going to do mass censorship, if you're going to pass these broad laws, it is, you know, I, I'm open to the fact that some of this stuff could be a national security threat, but you've got to prove that. You've got to give us more evidence than just, well, they could do this with that or they could do that with that, which is, you know, what, what we've been getting right now. But Elizabeth, I see all kinds of headlines that uh, we have compromised ourselves to the Chinese. I'm thinking about over on the grid. I've had uh, some guests on that are with the EMP task force. And these transformers, these electric, big electric transformers, uh, many of them are being manufactured in China. And they could have, for example kill switches that are coming in and and one of them came in at uh, i think at the port of houston and immediately they they figured out that it could was possibly compromised and it was sent to um new mexico i think for an analysis but we have a lot of those transformers that are are in our grid and i mean you talk about a national security risk that would be turning the grid off so i'm i'm a little frustrated that they're thinking about censoring voices and all over here with TikTok. And we have all kinds of other risks that's going on with the Chinese, Elizabeth. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about that electrical grid situation, but that definitely sounds like a, a bigger threat to be than TikTok. Um, and I think that, you know, what you bring up, you know, it just showcases... Congress pays attention to a lot of things that are that are very salacious and that get a lot of attention. You know, people are very anti-technology, anti-social media right now for a lot of reasons. Some of them legitimate, um, but you know, I think because it, it's such a hot button issue, they want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about you know power supplies and the electrical grid and things like that. So, yeah, I think that they tend to, to focus on things that they think will get a lot of attention, both instead of necessarily the things that are actually the biggest threats. So, my question, Elizabeth, is. Where are the statesmen? America was founded on statesmen. Where are they? Uh, do we have any? <laughs> uh, that's a hard question. I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, I gotta say, I was a big fan of Justin Amash. <laughs> I think he was one of the few true statesmen who was. It was left in Congress, and and he left because he couldn't stand the way the pressure that the institution now puts on people to just sort of jump in line with their party and not follow their not follow their own conscience, not follow what their voters want. And I think that that's, that's you know, a lot of the problems he brings up are really unfortunate. The, the incentive structure for, for our lawmakers is just very flawed right now. You mentioned something, Elizabeth, uh, and that is what the voters want. And what I see in a way is the, the, the tail is wagging the dog. Because uh, there's, you know, all kinds of polls, what do you want, and then trying to craft messages to what the voters say they want. And I'm not sure the voters really understand what they want. I think ultimately, Brad Beck, they want individual freedom, I think, ultimately. Absolutely. 
Um, but we need to have somebody to start to message that, Elizabeth. Yeah, I think people are very, you know, I think that there's, there's definitely just a silent majority out there of Americans who just want to be left alone, who want individual freedom for themselves, who want to be guaranteed that they can, you know, watch the media they want to, interact with their friends online, worship how they want, just, you know, live, do with their bodies how they want, and not have their neighbors, you know, interfere, and then they grant that same that same tolerance to their neighbors. And I think we have a lot of, uh, you know, politicians and a lot of media who have decided that it's in their best interest to push a much more divisive narrative that always is us versus them. You know, you are always under threat from your enemy. You need to, you know, make a law to control how they live and act or, or else they'll do it to you. And I think that's very unfortunate because I think that, you know, the vast majority of Americans do just, just want individual rights and individual freedom. Yes. On the text line, 720-605-0647, I got this. I think this must be the switchboard. For, it says the D.C. switchboard, so th- this must be for Congress. It's 202-224-3121. I hope that's what that is and not somebody's personal number, <laughs> Elizabeth. Uh, Susan, um, kind of your final question for Elizabeth. Uh, what's the outlook on this? Do you think it's going to pass? Uh, I, I really can't say. Um, I think that there is a lot of bipartisan support for this sort of thing, but I think the good news is that it's also intensely unpopular amongst large uh, sectors of, of the electorate, especially among young people. And as we're, you know, getting getting nearer to an election season, I think that a lot of people, especially Democrats, tend to rely on younger voters, are are very worried about. You know, any prospect that would be seen as banning TikTok could really hurt them. So a self-interest here on the part of lawmakers might actually save us from this bad bill because I think that they might decide that it's, it's you know, too, too risky, to, too politically unpopular to do it. Well, in the piece that you all have written at uh, Reason, the Restrict Act would restrict a lot more than TikTok is, is super important. Brad, uh, your, kind of, your final question. I'm just curious, how long is this bill, Elizabeth? Uh, it's very long, and it's I, I'm not sure exactly how long, uh, but it, it's very complicated, too. Like, the way that it's worded is just very obtuse. You know, it's referencing, you know, it would, it, you know... It, it would ban an interested party, and then you have to go look up what an interested party is, and it says, you know, like, an interested party is a covered party that does this, you have to go look up what a covered party is. So it's very, like, referential on all these different definitions, so it's very hard to look at it and actually get a concrete picture of what exactly it would do, and that's why, I mean, that's a large part of why I think it's so dangerous, because it's not just a straightforward, mm-hmm. we would ban this sort of transaction, you know, it's granted these powers that are, that are very vague and sort of arcane. Okay, Elizabeth, last question then. Who who wrote this? Who writes this stuff? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it came from Senator Mark Warner's office, the Virginia Democrat, so I don't know. I mean, he obviously doesn't write it exactly himself. I don't know who, who wrote the legislation specifically. But unfortunately, this is what you find in a lot of, a lot of bills. You know, they're very, they're not straightforward. They're not meant to be easy to understand. They're meant to be very widely open to interpretation and not so, you know, not so your average person can't just go and read it and be like, oh, I know what that does, which I think is, you know, a big problem. It is. I think James Madison said that the the laws should not be so complicated that everyday people cannot understand them. Elizabeth Nolan Brown, first of all, thank you. How would you like to button this up? Uh, just uh, if people want to find me, they can send me on Reason.com or on Twitter at E.N. Brown. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I greatly appreciate it. And again, that's Elizabeth Nolan Brown with Reason, and she's a senior editor there. Elizabeth, thank you.
Thank you. Bye. And uh, as I look at this and our sponsors, uh, each of the sponsors that I have, I know personally. And so when you're looking to do business, uh, to buy a product or need a service, I greatly appreciate it if you would uh, work with our sponsors because they're a big reason why we are, are on the air and Lauren Levy is one of those valued sponsors. The rapid rise in interest rates is causing challenges and creating opportunities. For nearly 20 years, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lorne Levy, has helped individuals realize their hopes and dreams of home ownership, fund kids' educations through second mortgages, and access capital by utilizing reverse mortgages. Lorne is not constrained to work with just one lender. Because he works with many different lenders, Lorne offers choices for your individual mortgage needs. Knowledge is power. And preparation leads to success. Call Lorne Levy at 303-880-8881 so that you're prepared for opportunity in the mortgage market. That's Lorne Levy at 303-880-8881. Hey folks, Matthew Dark here with exciting news about COVID justice and how you can be involved in this critical moment in history. Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom, in conjunction with COVIDPenalty.com, is leading the way in protecting everyone's legal right to refuse an investigational new drug. There is no law that can force you to participate in medical research, and we need your help in bringing these lawsuits to fruition. To donate and view impending lawsuits, visit ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. That's ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. You want to be proactive about protecting your home and family in light of high crime and uncertain times. You need to go to Franktown Firearms. As a family-owned and family-friendly gun store and range, Franktown Firearms invites you to train and learn together. They want you and your family to be safe and confident in using the firearms you purchase. And while most ranges will teach you to shoot down a straight line, Franktown offers a more tactical approach where you're walking, ducking, drawing in more realistic scenarios and always with safety as a top priority. Training your family to defend themselves is an important process. You need a patient and experienced trainer to work with. Franktown Firearms offers group classes, one-on-one training, and special shooting events like Tactical Fun Night to improve your skill and have fun while you're at it. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown and schedule your family's training today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is KimMunson.com. Thank you for all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. We'd love to hear from you. 303-477-5600. The text line is busy. 720-605-0647. And we'll comment on that. But Susan Kochevar your takeaway regarding this conversation uh, on the Restrict Act, also known as the TikTok Act? Well, it just reminds me of everything we saw happen with the Patriot Act and things that we saw happen at our airports after that. I remember when all that passed, and I remember being able to walk down to the gate and wait for people, and I knew when that went through and they set up TSA that we were on a really bad road, and I think this TikTok Restrict Act is the same. Brad Beck. It's probably worse because it has to do with our free speech. Mm-hmm. And so if they can do it on TikTok, they can do it on any other avenue, right. any other app that's out there, they deem uh, a national security risk. And when I asked Elizabeth about how long was the bill, if it's more than a page and I'm 
I don't know for what it's worth. I'm college educated, which probably mm-hmm. means I don't know much. But uh, other than that, if I can't read it, how can anybody read it? Right. It, it should not be a law. And that's the same thing down here at the state house. We're at 600 and some bills. And, for example, the land use bill is 105 pages. I mean, the the these are longer than the Constitution of the United States. It's, it's rather, it's, it's crazy. And we ignore them because we don't know what's in them. Right. And <laughs> that's why what this group has been doing with the Colorado Union of Taxpayers since 1976. My hat is off to these volunteers for all these years on that. So uh, let's see. Um, oh, Brad, back. I wanted to ask you this because you were... Uh, you love music. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Used to be in a band. I know. Uh, so we've been having this, uh, throwing out this, should we keep American Woman as our lead-in music? Because a friend of mine, one of our Liberty Toastmasters friends, who also knows music, it said, Kim, I cringe every time I hear that because it's not favorable towards American wim- women. And he goes, and I like American women. I like I what do you too. do. <laughs> and uh, he said, so I am concerned about that. I've had some great suggestions. I've had people say, keep it. In fact, I was out front yesterday at my house and my neighbor goes by and says, hey, keep the music. So <laughs> what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, music makes people move. Music makes people feel. And we sing songs that sometimes just get into our head and you know, they're there. And I go back and listen to a lot of the music I listened to as a kid. And then I go back and learn the lyrics. And I went, holy cow, <laughs> I'm singing that, really? I know. You know, if it makes you feel good and, and it gets a message across, you know, uh, producer Steve's doing some great bumper music today. Kind uh-huh. of, I, I need to be in my silk pajamas, the lounge music. <laughs> you know, it gets people up and, and it brings back memories mm-hmm. when I hear a lot of songs. So uh, I'm going to leave that up to you, but I, I like the song. Okay. And I wanted, I was thinking about Kathleen this weekend. She had called in and said, Here Comes the Sun by George Harrison. And it's a great song. And I, I so appreciate it. She said it reminded her of the show. And Kathleen, I, I thought, I hope I didn't shut you down because I so appreciate it. It's just I've never really liked the Beatles that much, uh, Susan Kochevar. So I probably would struggle with it. But it's a great song. And I, Kathleen, yeah. I wanted to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be a little left. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. What about I Am Woman? What do you think about that? Because a number of people have mentioned that. But that was kind of the mantra of the feminist movement. But I loved that song, too. It is. Uh, the one thing that I think about some of those things is, is to me, it's a divider. You know, ah. I'm an individual, uh, whatever, but but I don't like to divide all that. Does that make sense? Okay, good point. Oh, I think producer Steve said, why don't you do the 1812 Overture? It has a cannon in it. I love that. <laughs> I like that, too. <laughs> so, I anyway, we're, we have all these uh, great suggestions, and I've got to figure out what to do with that exactly. Uh, but, um, first of all, this came in uh, regarding our conversation with Elizabeth, and regarding Congress, it says they don't vote based on what the voters want. They change what the voters want. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see with a lot of these surveys, Susan. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting in my town where I live in Erie, they once had a survey for what the town community wanted. What did people want? And it was at the rec center and it had a bunch of questions and then you put it in a box. And I thought, really, we're going to give people what they want? 
I mean, you know, let's put hookers and booze. I mean, you know, if you get enough people wanting that, then that's what I guess we're going to put into place. And it's like, no, that's not what the process is. And you always have this term stakeholders. Right. What do the stakeholders want? Right. That scares the heck out of me. Right. I, who are the stakeholders? Define that term to me. If it's the citizens who live in this community and they want to talk about things that we need or don't need, fine. But is I'm always going to come back up and say, what's the proper role of government? Not to give us stuff. Right. To right. protect our equal individual natural rights and then leave us alone. Yeah. It really skews the, the purpose of government. And those um, surveys can be very leading. And you'll find that sometimes cities use something in meetings called a Delphi technique. And they'll bring citizens in and use that Delphi technique on them. And they, they ask questions that are kind of leading. And they get to uh, an opinion, in air quotes. And it's not really the opinion of the citizens. And it might even just be these five people who showed up for this opinion survey and uh so they they lead them down this road and get what they want okay susan i've that so next month when you're in studio we need to talk about the delphi technique because rosemary mentioned it i saw it used when i was on city council and i was trying to find an expert on the delphi technique and i think that that's a conversation that we need to have they they did it to me several times for several things but most recently for broadband in my community and I asked the question, if with all the new technology moving as quickly right. as it is, do we really need broadband? Guess what? They shut it down because we couldn't get consensus. Yep. And that's what they're looking for. And it could be five people. It could be two people. Mm-hmm. But it's not the community. And no, it's, it's not, not the community. No. And, and if you know what you're doing, you can shove them off uh, just by asking the right question. Yeah. And, uh, yes, uh, we're going to have a conversation about that. So that's going to be really good. I can't wait for that. Uh, regarding surveys. When I was on city council, uh, and I, I was starting to see how they, they would use surveys and and uh, then to come up with a survey, survey says, you know. <laughs> and uh, so the, um, the powers that be, let me just put it that way, the PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, wanted to close our little neighborhood library, which uh, people would walk to. I would see kids walk to it, but they wanted to... Uh, have a bigger library over in a different area. And so they did a survey uh, and uh, and it, very leading questions. And they put uh, they also put up a, a board at the, the library saying, what would you like to have with our library? And the, the majority of people said, we'd like to keep our library. And then the city council was presented with this long report, I want to say like 56 pages. And so most city council people don't read everything because so I read it and near the very end, it said that um, the majority of people wanted to keep the library. So a staff was making the presentation. I said, well, it says here on page whatever that most people would like to keep the library. And they said, uh, I said, why was that not highlighted earlier in the report? And they said, well, because that was not an option. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Dr. Burks, Dr. Scarf, during the whole COVID thing. You know, always read their books. They tell you who they are. And she definitely worked to um, undermine President Trump. But she said in the book, um, you know, she would get the, the results and uh, she'd write up the report she wanted and send it. And it would get sent back. And then she'd hide those, hide the other comments and send it back and put out what she wanted there right. you go. That's what they do. Right. So these survey, and the other thing is, is they they couch everything with these surveys many times trying to get to a certain conclusion. And many times the surveys 
are just a small percentage of people that even responded to it, Brad. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the idea of a debate. I like the idea of leaders and statesmen and people who say unpopular things to bring out and to draw out a discussion and let the citizens hear what they're talking about rather than by consensus. Because a lot of times you can get a lot of people talking about we need to do this or that or the other thing. And I'm questioning, okay, who gets to decide? Who gets to pay? What's fair? All the questions that nobody gets to ask, Mm -hmm. but in a debate, they come out Mm -hmm. or they should come out. Mm -hmm. And there should be opposition and people should be standing up and saying, this is why we need this, or this is why it shouldn't be happening, and have that healthy discussion. We don't have that anymore. Right. And we need to reclaim that. We're just about out of time. Susan Kochevar, entrepreneur, owner of 88 Drive-In Theater, which is open. Uh, Final thought. Well, to to Brad's point, um, and I just lost that point. I hate that when that happens. <laughs> but debate. Oh, he was no, talking about debate. He was talking about debate. Did you see the Democrats have decided they don't want to debate uh, uh, now with this next, um, I guess, the DNC primary? Uh, because I think John F. Kennedy Jr. No, uh, RFK. RFK. Robert. Yes, Robert joined the, the presidential candidate list. Yeah. President Biden. Yeah. Oh, that is very interesting. Yeah. So great having you here. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Brad Beck, your final thought. Great to have you here. Well, I'll say the quote that I had in my essay is, uh, Eskenes was uh, a great speaker. They said he could give great oratory. But when Demosthenes got up, people would say, let us march to Philip. Mm -hmm. And that always struck me as something interesting that we had to pay attention to, that words can lead to action. And hopefully that action makes a positive change. Well, absolutely. And uh, speaking of action, I would highly uh, recommend that uh, you all consider joining us this weekend for the USMC Memorial Foundation special event. It's at the Brown Palace, and it is an evening with the ambassador, and it's going to be a great event. And then we will have a, uh, uh, something out at the memorial in the morning as well. You can get that information at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. And again, uh, Susan, great to have you in studio. And uh, text messages uh, is saying we've got some other experts that we can talk with about the Delphi technique. This will be a great show. Fabulous. And I know that you like to try to be here the day that Brad Beck is here. So we'll try to coordinate all that, Brad Beck, because I think you can comment on the Delphi technique as well. It's been used against me. (laughs) I know it, and it's important to recognize it. So thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure. And Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, he who would trade liberty for some temporary security, TikTok Bill, deserves neither liberty or nor security. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Turning further from my home Young, like a new moon rising Fierce through the rain and lightning Wandering out into this great unknown And I don't want no one to cry But tell them